It's the Americhips with Kim Monson. Now, while this is all going on, I went through President Trump's speech and uh, Chuck and Nancy's rebuttal. The most important story. The American people finally said enough, and that is why they elected Donald Trump. The latest in politics and world affairs. It's almost unbelievable that Trump has extricated the U.S. from the Iran nuclear deal. And opinions and ideas that prepare you to tackle the day ahead. Because ideas matter. It's the Americhicks. Dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Uh oh, guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Leslie, guess what today is? It's hump day. (laughs) You like that one, don't you, Steve? He likes that. Okay, well, welcome to the Americhicks. I'm Kim Munson and. we are dissecting issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Uh, be sure and check out my website, americhicks.com. I have a new website, and it is beautiful. Sign up for my emails. I'll keep you apprised of all the upcoming guest topics and important events. And I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. I'd appreciate it if you would like and follow me. And we offer, I offer a conservatarian perspective. Uh, another thing wanted to mention to you is Vino and Veritas. We have now had two Vino and Veritas. We are meeting the fourth Monday of each month. And um, just this last Monday was our second one. I'm partnering with, with Dr. Tom Cranowitter, his team at Speakeasy Ideas, and Jen Hewlin, owner of Water's Edge Winery, to bring you Vino and Veritas, Wine and Truth. And Dr. Cranowitter is creating a fascinating lecture series on the Federalist Papers. And uh, good news is we are sold out. The bad news is we are sold out. But get on the wait list. I know that Bethany and the team over at Speakeasy is working to start another uh, Vino and Veritas. So email me at Kim at com if you would like to be on the, uh, on the wait list. And uh, just a, a great thank you to Harmony Ridge Construction, which was January's presenting sponsor of Vino and Veritas. And February's presenting sponsor is Susan Kochevar, owner of the uh, historic 88 Drive-In Theater. And spring is right around the corner. She will be opening soon. So let's get into it. First of all, I want to say good morning to Cassie George, my guest chick. How are you doing this morning? I am doing great. How are you? It's great to have you in studio. Hey, good to be back. You know what? Uh, it's going to be a I got great- invited back, so that's good. Well, absolutely. It is an open invitation for sure. So we're going to be talking about the Communist Manifesto. And that makes me very excited. So. Yeah, I think I think it's important to to kick the tires on these ideas. We hear, hear a lot about socialism out there, mm-hmm. and uh, so that will be in the third and fourth segment. In the second segment, uh, Major General Bentley Rayburn, retired Air Force general, uh, will be calling in and wanted to get his thoughts on this federal court ruling mm-hmm. regarding uh, uh, the court said that it was unconstitutional to have an all-male draft. And I want to find out what he thinks about it. Cassie, I want to find what, out what you think about it. And producer Steve, if you want to jump in on I'd love that as well. But before we get to headlines, Steve, are you ready for this one? Oh, go ahead. Okay. I hate to sound less than enthusiastic, but the, you, the level of corniness sometimes is <laughs> too much to take. Okay, this Steve. early in the morning. Go for it. What did the attorney name his daughter, Steve? Not Steve. No. What did the attorney name his daughter? I don't know. What did the attorney name his daughter? Sue. We got to get that drummer. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah. He's way too easy. <laughs> and a little inspiration in the morning. Let's start with this. Prayer by Gail Brooke Burkett. She says, I do not ask to walk small, smooth paths nor bear an easy load. I pray for strength and fortitude to climb the rock-strewn road. Give me such courage I can scale the hardest peaks alone and transform every stumbling block into a stepping stone. And Cassie, one of the reasons Mm -hmm. that I've decided that we're going to start the morning with a a little humor and a little inspiration is because I think we need that in America today. Oh, yeah. You know, one only has to look at the uh, current headlines and know that we're, you know, we're in trouble. So a little inspiration, a little humor. Let's talk just a little bit about headlines. First of all, as uh, as everybody knows, uh, President Trump is over in Vietnam Mm -hmm. and he is having his second summit with Kim Jong-un, uh, and, uh, of course, the the pundits that do not want Trump to succeed on anything are just throwing all kinds of stones at this, but I find it, I find it historic that they're sitting down. We're, we're, not, we're not shooting missiles at each other right now. They're sitting down and talking and having a conversation. Steve, what do you think about that? Well, I got a bone to pick with the press, and I'll let you ladies disseminate more, and I'll get out of this, but yesterday, probably between 3 and 4, I sit down... And Fox, I guess, was the website I went to and says, summit off to a rocky start. And right away, like, uh-oh, you know, something mm-hmm. really went off that probably shouldn't have. And all it was was the press got moved from one hotel to another. And I was like, <laughs> you self-centered son of a gun. Uh, <laughs> who gives a flip? It's not about you. It's about what's happening between these two men. But and, the headline. And the headlines. Mm-hmm. Implies. Summit off to a rocky start. It implies that uh, Trump and Kim Jong-un are off to a rocky start. And that is disingenuous. Uh, that is for sure disingenuous. So just wanted to mention that because the next headline, Cassie, is the one that really has me concerned. And uh, Michael Cohen, you know, they've been putting mm-hmm. a big hurt on him. He is President Trump's uh, former attorney. And apparently he is going to come out and say that President Trump is a racist, that he's a con man, and he's a cheat. Now, my friends, we have to remember what, what's really going on here. For the last two-plus years, um, politicians, pundits, professors, bureaucrats have been going after Trump. This is the kind of the deep state. And um, this is the message that they want to get out now. It started with Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. at uh, at one of the debates where I remember, Cassie, that she threw something out about Donald Trump and the Russians. And then, you know, yeah. Do- Donald Trump uh, in jokingly said, hey, Russians, why don't you check out uh, all of the lost emails? Yep. Yeah. Hillary's. <laughs> and then the progressive activist left said that he must be colluding well, he must with, be the with the Russians. He just tweeted at them. Yeah. So we all know if you tweet at someone that, you know, they get the message. <laughs> yeah. And it must have been a secret Clearly message. Russia. Yeah. Clearly Russia. Yeah. But, I mean, if you really look at it, it was mm-hmm. the Clintons that made the deal with Russians that, that gave away a bunch of our uranium. Yeah. And nobody pays attention to that. And Mueller has been doing this investigation for over two years. Two years. And if he can't find collusion within two years, he's obviously incompetent. But that's not what they wanted to find. They want to keep this going on and on and on so that that busy, uh, uh, hardworking American out there just has these questions and this confusion. That is what this is, is all about. Steve, you had a comment? Just the humorous. Again, the memes on Facebook sometimes can be so cutting in their truth, but your humor. 
And it said, in 10 days, the Chicago police found out more about Jesse Smollett than Mueller has found out about Trump in two years. <laughs> well, the the real story here is that they're, they don't want to find anything out. They want to create confusion. This is all towards the 2020 election. But yesterday, Cassie, you know, one of the other things that I do is I have this World War II project. Mm-hmm. And um, I have been expanding it into, I've, I've interviewed a few Korean War veterans. And the Korean War is called the Forgotten War. Yeah. And then I, I thought, I need to start to expand this into Vietnam veterans as well. And I had the great honor to interview Orson Swindle. And this is just kind of, it's interesting how all these things happen. Because uh, I met him last week. I went up to... A group of Marines meets uh, once a month. It's called Cooper's Troopers, and they were honoring six of the Iwo Jima World War II mm-hmm. veterans, and I've interviewed all, all six of them. And so I was sitting there, and uh, next in the table next to me, I was introduced, and then Orson gave me his card. Mm-hmm. And he said, I was a Vietnam prisoner of war for over six years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then another... Uh, veteran came up who was also a Vietnam veteran and the respect and the care that and, and the emotion that I saw between the two men, it kind of took my breath away. Mm. So anyway, I interviewed Orson yesterday and we, we talked about when he was a prisoner of war and he was talking about the torture and the interrogation and uh, the physical torture was, was awful. It was just mm-hmm. awful. But, but what they were trying to get him to do was to talk. Yeah. Confession. Confession to talk to you know say where you know who's the lead, you know who's his commanders and and where are the troops and the torture was awful and in fact he got down to uh, down to almost 130 pounds and he is wow. a big was a big strapping football player so he said you know what we all figured out to do uh, well he said what I figured out to do was to lie mm. and he he was uh, he said he remembered his high school football team back in Georgia it was a pretty good football team so when they asked who the commander was he said it was the, they gave the name <laughs> of his football coach and he ended up as he gave names he gave the names of his whole football team and he said that he was back at some point in time uh, for a big reunion and uh, he looked out and he saw 11 of the 20 guys that he'd played football with and given their names and and he said, that, you know, you guys need to be really careful because if you ever ever end up in <laughs> Vietnam, they're looking for you. But I was then thinking about this whole thing with Michael Cohen. Mm-hmm. This is this is the narrative that they want to now put out regarding Trump. There's there's no collusion, and mm-hmm. and um, now they want to say he's a racist, he's a con man, and he's a cheat. And those that is what the the narrative that they want to put out there. Yeah. Well, I think. To your point, they are definitely using this and they as in, you know, Mueller and the left are, are using this, you know, it's kind of like a in their pocket for a rainy day. So if Trump ever starts doing anything, you know, that's actually good, I mean, they'll just pull it back out and then, you know, remind everyone that Trump's a racist and a con man and a cheat. And then, you know, people go, oh, yeah, that's right. And then. Right. Instead know. of he's the guy that's sitting down with Kim Jong-un. Uh, yeah, which nobody with else is doing. Right. Talking or has him, ever done. In, instead of, uh, you know, lobbing missiles at each, each other. Yeah. Or that the black or unemployment ignoring rate. It. Yeah. Or the black unemployment rate, mm-hmm. the Hispanic unemployment rate, the unemployment rate for women is the lowest in history. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't want to talk about that. Do I think Trump is perfect? No. But there is nobody that's perfect. And mm-hmm. I've certainly done things in the past that I'd like to to maybe... Would have them back. Redo. I might do a redo or not do. Maybe a not do. That yeah, not do. But when you look at what President Trump, I think he has a heart for Americans. No matter what your descriptor is, mm-hmm. 
man, woman, black, white, gay, straight. I think he has a heart for Americans. The policies that he is putting in place is good for every American, no matter what your descriptor is. And that is one of the reasons why they are going after him. Now, um, Cheryl Ackeson, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we had talked with her, and I think it was when you were here last yeah. time. You know, and she she was the former CBS reporter. She was uh, reporting on Fast and Furious, which was the o- Obama's gun running, basically, is what mm-hmm. it was. And then also Benghazi. And so, interestingly enough, she figured out she was starting to be spied on Mm. by the Department of Justice and the FBI. Through her computer. Yeah. And so I asked her, I said, well, was this Comey's FBI? And she said it actually started before then. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, really? Who was the FBI director then? It was Bob Mueller. (laughs) Is this not, uh, this is quite a web that we have going here. So my point is, is I think that they are in a way doing to Cohen and to Manafort, putting Manafort in solitary confinement, you know, bringing um, Roger Stone out in the, mm-hmm. in the morning, you know, at, at dawn in shackles when by, by afternoon he'd been released by the judge. I think that this is a form of, of torture mm-hmm. that they are, are doing to try to get the narrative that they want. And that narrative right now is is that Trump is a racist, a con man, and a cheat. And so that is what they're going to be pushing here for the next couple of years. So I thought it was just important. I think that this is a more sophisticated kind of torture that they are doing. And I'm not saying Cohen and and, uh, uh, Stone and Manafort are perfect. One other point I do want to make, and I was doing research on Manafort, and it just happened that... Uh, his former business partner, the last name was Davis, and that guy happened to be a pallbearer at John McCain's mm. funeral. So there is a whole bunch of stuff going on there, and they, uh, they are, I think, torturing Manafort and Cohen to try to get the narrative that they want uh, and that they can push out. So anyway, your, your thought on that, Cassie, and then we'll go to break in a minute. Yeah, no, I absolutely think you're correct. And like you said, I mean, the, the unemployment rates and I mean, what he's done for all of us and his love for Americans or Trump's love for Americans doesn't matter. Because he's not the person that the Democrats want. And so this is this should tell all of us that this is so much more about so it, it's not about just, you know, Trump or anything like that. It's the fact that the Democrats are just not in control and they hate that. So it's not about the good of Americans. They could care less. I mean, they've shown that they, they could care less about what black unemployment rate is. They're not in control. And that's their point. And. Excellent point. So we're going to go to break here. Before we do that, though, I just wanted to give a shout out to Hooters Restaurants. They are my sports headquarters. And March Madness is just right around the corner. Can't wait because I am a KU basketball fan, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. And Hooters is the place to watch the games. They have specials starting at $10 for a draft and 10 bonus wings. And Hooters wings can fly. You can have them delivered right to your doorstep. And Steve, I am having them delivered today because the girls are coming over tonight and they love them. I get those new smoked wings that are half the calories so they're good for your waistline and so order your hooters wings to go or have them delivered right to your front door more information visit hooterscolorado.com that's hooterscolorado.com let them know that you know the americhicks this is kim munson we'll be right back with guest chick cassie george all americhick sponsors are an exclusive partnership with the americhicks and are not affiliated or in partnership with klz or crawford broadcasting if you would like to support the work of the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson and grow your business, contact Kim at AmeriChicks.com. That's AmeriChicks.com. 
Dan Predovich and his team at Predovich & Company help your business plan ahead financially. The AmeriChicks with Kim Munson highly recommends Predovich & Company as your financial business consultant. Predovich & Company will take care of your tax preparation, bookkeeping, and business advisory services. Dan Predovich and his team want to learn about the unique needs of your business through real, honest dialogue. Because of their advanced technological capabilities, Predovich & Company can help clients anywhere in the United States. Call 303-791-3000 to start preparing now for tax season. Organize your business finances with Predovich & Company. Call 303-791-3000 today. Hey, welcome back to the AmeriChicks with Kim Munson, where I dissect the issues, the latest news, politics, and opinion as right versus wrong instead of right versus left. Agree or disagree, let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my new website. It's beautiful, AmeriChicks.com. Sign up for my emails. I will keep you apprised of all the upcoming guests, topics, and important events. And I'd appreciate it if you would like me on Facebook, follow me on Twitter, and I offer a conservatarian perspective. Thrilled to have in studio with me a marvelous millennial, and that is Cassie George. It's great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Good to be here. And we're going to be talking with General uh, Bentley Rayburn in just a moment, I ha- because uh, I just saw this, that a federal court has ruled that the mail-only draft is unconstitutional. But before we do that, one other little point. And that is, Cassie, I just saw the headline that is one of the strongest Arctic outbreaks of winter is ready to surge into the lower 48 states Mm -hmm. in early March. So how about that global warming? It's not working out so well. Yep. So they'll just have to change the name, won't they? But let's jump in here with uh, General Bentley Rayburn. He is retired uh, Air Force. Bentley, it is great to have you on the show today. Hey, Kim, it's great to be there. And just as an aside, it'll be interesting to see how they spin this latest uh, polar vortex mm. into global warming, because they'll do it. You can <laughs> bend your boots on it. You know, um, you know I, I just just a little bit, but, you know, this uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, I mean, she believes that the, the earth is going to burn up in 12 years because she has been taught that through our public education all the way into the university. And all of a sudden, I think a lot of these millennials are, are going to look at this and they're going to look at my generation and say, you guys lied to me. And uh, so we need to keep these conversations going, Bentley. That's right, exactly. So so I I saw this headline. I immediately wanted to ask you about this. Uh, This was USA Today just a few days ago. It says, with women in combat roles, a federal court rules the male-only draft unconstitutional. What do you think about that as retired Air Force general? Well, it's interesting. The the judge that made that ruling uh, was appointed by George Bush, George W. Bush, and uh, he ruled that the men-only draft was unconstitutional uh, based on the uh, due process clause in the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution. It's also interesting that the complaint was brought brought by uh, this men's group that I had not heard of, the National Coalition for Men. Uh, As I read some of their website, I think they're a bunch of wimps, but nevertheless... uh, (laughs) As we get into the well, well mo- the most discussion. definitely, I'm just, I'm just going to make a point. So, in, if they're a bunch of wimps, they'd rather have women serve. I just had to say that. Okay, go ahead, well, Billy. I, yeah, <laughs> exactly. 
So the, in terms of the constitutionality, the way I look at it, and I've, uh, I've read some uh, folks who uh, are well-studied on this, um, in Article One, Section 8, it's clear that it's the Congress that makes the rules for the government and regulation of the armed forces. It's the Congress, not the court, that has the constitutional authority to... Uh, you know, to, to set what the requirements are for selective service and for the draft. And they have, in the past, said it's young men only. Um, there's, back in uh, Carter's day, he wanted to put in the women into the selective service after it was done away with for a short period after Vietnam. And the, the phrase that was used was similarly similarly situated. And because women couldn't be in combat back then, it was pretty clear that uh, they weren't similarly situated. Now the argument is, well, because women are in, uh, allowed to be in combat, they are similarly situated, and so they ought to be drafted. But that misses the bigger issue, because <clears throat> what we are looking at is um, a draft. Uh, we have a volunteer army, and it's great, and it works well. So what's the draft for? The draft is in a time of national crisis when our very existence is, is at stake. We have to get people into the armed services quickly, very quickly, in a way that our normal volunteer recruitment processes just can't do. The military is high-tech, so it's what are we going to use these recruits for? Basically, it's for you know, filling in for casualties in those areas which uh, you don't need an extensive amount of training, which is basically the infantry. And uh, while some ladies may certainly be able to meet the minimal requirements, it's clear from all of the studies and from some studies that the Obama administration refused to uh, refused to publish after they were done, um, while some may be able to meet the minimal requirements, clearly it's a very small uh, amount. And we, you, in a crisis situation, you don't have time to bring in half of your recruits as draftees and then, and then have to call out 90% of them uh, because they wouldn't meet the minimal requirements. Um, and so it's, it's very... Uh, it's a rational approach to for Congress's responsibility to set the rules for uh, for the military, and I I don't think that I don't think that there's any constitutional uh, problems with our, our current uh, our current uh, selective service. Well, you know, Bentley, I really think that this is an, another effort to blur the lines, to try to blur the tr- lines between men and women, but. You know, my other one of my other projects is this World War II project. And yesterday I, I did several interviews, and one of the guys that I interviewed jumped in to Normandy on D-Day. He was a paratrooper. And one of the things that he said was that in war, all plans go out the window. And, and there really are physical differences between men and women, physiological differences between men and women. And uh, I, I personally, I'm not going to make you comment on this, but I personally do not think women should be in combat roles, particularly after I have interviewed 
over 100 World War II veterans. Uh, there is, is something that uh, when you're when you're in the trenches uh, and, and you're in combat, I really I really think that uh, it it should be men because men generally are supposed to be the protectors and the providers. Women generally are supposed to be the nurturers. I mean, that's just kind of the nature's law in the big picture. And so to take those nurturers and put them into combat just doesn't make sense to me. So um, I just, that's my... Well, I agree with you. I agree with you completely, Kim. And I'll okay. tell you, this issue is much bigger than the draft because we're witnessing a culture that is falling apart and disintegrating here in the United States. And it's, it's as you have said many times, it's... It's uh, because of our educational system. I mean, look at AOS, uh, uh, Alexandria Cortez uh, Ocasio. Look at um, look at Hollywood uh, men that don't want to be men. They're a bunch of wimps, wimps who don't want to own up to their responsibilities as the protectors. And uh, women who some women who want to be men. And uh, you know, the worst the worst thing in our culture today is to be a mom. Mm. It's the most important role that any person could be, a, a mother raising the next generation, and yet it is it is so far down the list of what a leftist thinks is important. Um, it's just clear that our culture has got serious, serious problems. So this whole issue about the draft is, um, in one sense, just um, indicative of where our <clears throat> where our culture is going. It, it certainly is, and uh, so I am going to continue to talk about. Uh, and you mentioned this thing about a mom, and just a, a quick little side. When I when my children were little, uh, I continued to work, but I had very flexible hours so that I could be able to to be there with them. And that and very quickly a, a point on this whole equal pay thing is women many times will don't want to put in as many hours. They want flexibility. And so employers need to be able to negotiate that with, with the woman and her, with the employer, instead of government getting in the, mid, the middle of that. But one of the things, I ended up being the president of this group called Alliance of Professional Women. And uh, I, I, I've always thought that women are capable of doing things. I, I, I feel I'm a strong woman. I'm a firm woman, you know, in, in many, you know, taking a stand on things. However, I, I never, you know, really wanted to go after men as bad or whatever. I, I figured we each should go out and do our best. So I ended up being the president of this group. There were a number of, of very left women uh, in, in the organization, and I didn't really understand it. I, and, and so I realized that this whole thing that's happening in America has been happening for a long time. But when I had my third child, I could feel... That uh, and I was, uh, I think I was on the board at that time. I could kind of feel some disdain, and I'm like, "This is so odd." And then I realized there there is this disdain for moms, and particularly if you have more than two kids. Your final comment on that, General Bentley Rayburn, and then let you no, go. I, I I agree completely, and I think your uh, your experience is uh, unfortunately not the norm. I think it is uh, very much in the middle of it. And, and as we look at protecting our daughters from being drafted, mm -hmm. uh, the church really has to stand up. Because if you say, uh, I don't think this is a proper role for a, a woman to go into combat, then you have to have a uh, something to back that up. And the church has got to come up to say that from a biblical standpoint, 
this is not the proper role of a woman because otherwise you're you, you how can you say you're a quote unquote uh, conscientious objector in terms of your role as a woman should preclude you from being drafted into combat. Uh, you know, I know we're going a little long on this, Bentley, but one other thing. Uh, yesterday, I don't know if you heard the beginning of the program, but I interviewed for my World War II project um, Orson Swindle. He was a, a prisoner of war for over six years in, v- in the Vietnam War. And I was just thinking right. about this. Women in combat, there's a very possi- big possibility that they could be captured. And, you know, uh, the enemy's not going to do very nice stuff to women that are in combat that have been captured. And, uh, I mean, to your point, I think the church needs to stand up on this. So, uh, Bentley, thank you. Uh, Really great information on this. I greatly appreciate it. So that is General Bentley Rayburn. And uh, let's jump over here to Jason McBride. Jason, uh, sorry we ran a little long, but I just, we had to talk about that. That's okay. You could have just... You could have skipped me. We that was more important. Well, we can't skip you because it's a, a big day over at your house today. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> well, it, it sure is. Uh, today's my oldest son's 20th birthday. And, uh, you know, his name is Preston. I'm real proud of him. He's a smart kid. Uh, really hard worker. Uh, I guess his crowning accomplishment in life so far, Kim, is he... He entered and won first place in the junior division for a bodybuilding contest last summer, so that was pretty impressive because it was the Mm -hmm. first and only time he did it, and he's managed to move out on his own so he doesn't live in our basement, and he's a server over at Maggiano's uh, off Dry Creek and I-25, so Head over there and have dinner and ask for Preston. He'll take good care of you. I know he takes a lot of pride in doing a really good job. And most importantly, give him a big tip so he doesn't have to hit me up for money. He can pay his bill. Well, happy birthday. He sounds like a great kid. And uh, congratulations. So let's well, thank you. Let- uh, Kim, I'm sorry. I'm getting a really bad feedback in my ear if I sound funny. I don't know. Okay. If it's on the air like that, but it's it's. Uh, Steve's Steve's shaking his head, saying that it's okay. So I don't know what's going on for sure. Oh, all right. Okay. No problem. But uh, you know, we've been talking about tax refunds. Yesterday, we chatted a little bit about uh, you know the narrative that the uh, media is putting out there that uh, oh my gosh, the tax refunds that people are receiving are less than last year, and so the Trump tax cuts might are are not are not working. But you have looked at this, so what do you think? Well, no doubt. We went over some examples yesterday, and we'll probably go over more in the coming days and weeks. But, Kim, under almost every circumstance, most Americans, from the lowest earners all the way up to the highest, paid less taxes last year. And by far, middle-class families saw the biggest percentage reduction in their tax burden. So what has happened that caused so many to see a lower refund? Well, Kim, there's been plenty of blame to go around. I've heard people say it's the IRS's fault, their employer's fault, and, of course, it's Donald Trump's (laughs) fault. But the reality is that, in most cases, nobody did anything wrong. May I explain? I can't hear. wait to hear this one. So, Kim, most companies and payroll systems utilize the IRS withholding tables based on your filing status and number of dependents. So if, for example, you're married with three kids, 
you'd put M and 3 on your W-4. And the way the withholding tables work is they're designed to try and withhold the right amount of tax so you basically break even and you don't owe any or get any back at all. Okay, Jason, that sort of makes sense, but most people didn't change their status last year, which is why they're confused about why their refund was so much lower. So if the system is supposed to get us to break even, why do so many people usually get a refund? Well, you've hit the nail on the head, Kim. Because the payroll, here's why, because the payroll system doesn't know about your itemized deductions, it doesn't know about other tax credits you might have, it just assumes the standard deduction. So up until 2017, uh, many taxpayers itemized, so their deductions and credits uh, were higher than the standard deduction. That lowered their actual tax liability far below the, quote, standard deduction tax liability, which is why the payroll system overwithheld taxes from their paycheck and the amount that was overwithheld. That's what comes back to you as a refund. So, Jason, I think what you're saying is that in 2018, the payroll systems actually worked the way they were designed to. And so in the past years, they were inaccurate. You know, that's exactly right. They finally got it correct because the standard deduction doubled for 2018. Less people itemized. They just used the standard deduction. And because the payroll systems were taking that into account and withholding based on what? The standard deduction. More people's withholding came much closer to their actual tax liability in 2018. That's what happened. Okay, so if you want to get that bonus check next year, (laughs) bonus check, okay, ask your payroll department to withhold more from your check, right? That's right. I knew you'd chuckle at bonus check. Um, So, yeah, you either want to reduce the number of dependents you claim, or, for example, let's say you want to get a bonus check of $1,200 from federal and $300 from Colorado. Well, just claim the correct status and dependents, and you can ask your payroll department to withhold, uh, you know, the specific extra dollar amounts out of each check. My gosh, Jason, this has been so informative. I I hope our listeners really are learning from this. And uh, if you'd like to talk to Jason, uh, you can reach out at chickspresidential.com. That's chickspresidential.com. Or the phone number over at Presidential is 303-694-1600, 303-694-1600. Jason, this is just a wealth of information. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right. Have a good show. Okay. Thanks so much. And Cassie, thank you. Now, we're going to get into what we're going to talk about, the Communist Manifesto. Pleased to have in studio with me, Cassie George. She is a producer and co-host of Rush to Reason. You hear that every afternoon right here on KLZ 560. We're going to go to break. We'll be right back. Work with mortgage professionals who will give you quick and accurate financial advice. Home Mortgage Alliance has the knowledge and expertise to explore the many financial options available to you. The mortgage process can be stressful, and as interest rates rise, it's more important than ever to get pre-qualified now so you're ready to buy. Call Kim Sturtz and Mark Cook with Home Mortgage Alliance to make sure that you're making the right financial choice for you and your family. 303-888-2732. Kim and Mark will remain available to you 24-7 to help you through the process. Choose the only mortgage professionals recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Call Kim and Mark with Home Mortgage Alliance today. 303-888-2732. 
you want to succeed, so you need to dress for the job, event, or relationship that you seek. For over 30 years, entrepreneur, stylist, and Americhick Kim Munson has been helping women look their very best with well-priced, made-to-measure clothes that fit a busy lady's lifestyle. Gals, if you want to up your game and freshen your look, email Kim at Americhicks.com for your initial style consult. Kim at Americhicks.com. Well, we're going to be on fire, I think, after we have this conversation, mm-hmm. Cassie George. Uh, be, welcome back. Kim Munson with the Americhicks. I, dissecting issues is right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my brand new website, Americhicks.com. Let's jump in here. We're going to have a conversation about the Communist Manifesto. Oh, she's got a copy. I have, oh, I have to tell you. When in I, studio. When I bought this, I was back mm-hmm. in Lawrence, Kansas, <laughs> and I went into a, book, a used bookstore, and I said, I'm looking for the Communist Manifesto, but I just want you to know that I am an American-loving <laughs> capital capitalist, and I but I just need it for reference. So yes, I bought it. So no, everyone should have it. To you know what you're it, up against. It's, and it, let's see, it's not that long. It, and no. you know when I was doing the the promo, you know the founders have been getting a, a bad rap in the education system. They're saying that they're just old white guys. Well, as I was preparing for the show, I saw pictures of Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels, who all of these young mm-hmm. activist socialists are following. You know what? They're, they're old white guys. They're really old white guys. They're really old white guys. Yeah. So, Communist Manifesto, um, what do you think about it? Yeah, well, I mean, I could say I wish it had never been written. Um, but somebody but, probably would have written it. Yeah, somebody would have somewhere. Uh, yesterday on the show, we were talking about how it is uh, very close, closely related to Darwin and the origin of species. Um, and they were written kind of at the same time, weren't they? I, well, I can't. Anyway, yeah. I, okay. I, well, I believe the Communist Manifesto was written first. Uh, anyway, go ahead. It was published between oh. 1872 and 1888, it looks like. So and I, I'll look that up while you're talking about that because I want to hear what you have to say. So, yeah. So, you know, basically with the Communist Manifesto, I think a lot of people kind of dismiss it as you know, well. A lot of people on the right would dismiss it as oh, it's kind of this old thing. Like, who's actually really reading this? And and it's not so much that people are reading it; it's that people are you know implementing what it means, possibly without even thinking about it. I mean, I would say it's it's the platform of the left. Um, you know, I have some points here for the you know, Communist Manifesto, some of the main points that it that it makes. But uh, you know, one of one of them is get control of the schools, use them as a transmission belt for socialism and current communist propaganda. Soften the curriculum, get control of teachers' associations, associations, put the party line in textbooks. I mean, this was over a hundred years ago, right? That they were saying to do this, and then what did you have after this? You had Darwinism, then you had the Scopes trial. I mean, this has steadily been going downhill you had prayer taken out of school like it, i think we look at it and go well you know wouldn't they have tried to do this faster or wouldn't we already i mean we're seeing it but it's happening right now and it took it's taking time but i think now we are you know kind of reaping the benefit if you'd want to call it that of you know of what they've been implementing for years what the left has always kind of believed well and in this uh, they actually, they have uh, several points. There's nine points. I'm going to read them also. It says um, they want to abol- uh, abolition of property and land and application mm-hmm. of all rents of land to public pur- purposes. That is totally, totally opposite of the American idea of everyday people being able to 
own property. Mm-hmm. And, and because of the American idea, everyday people have been able to thrive and flourish. You take a look. We've been in existence for 250 years. And we as just regular people. You know, you and I, we both drove over here in a car, in a warm car, in a safe car. We have, you know, phones. Uh, we, we have plenty of food. We have clothing. And yeah. it is because of the American idea. You s- innovation and invention. Yeah. And having the freedom to do so. Yeah. And you see this played out, abolition of private property. You see what's happened in Venezuela. Venezuela, before you were born, I remember, it was a very prosperous country. Great yeah. resources. Took about 40 years for it yeah. to... You know, now they're starving and... And it can happen here. Yeah. It can happen here. No, it can happen anywhere. And um, trying to put my thoughts together. There's so many thoughts on this one. Well, it, while you're doing that, number two, they say to have a heavy progressive or graduated income tax. Well, you're hearing this from, uh, you're hearing this from the Democrat candidates for president. Well, look what they were so mad about Trump for. Creating a tax cut. How it's not helping anyone. You know, they're, they're, all, they're all upset about this. And here's the thing. Okay, listening to you say that, you know, here, here was my thought. Uh, the abolition of private property. You know, basically taking everything away. You know, we know, as you know, I would say smart Americans, we know that the government doesn't exist if we don't exist. The government only makes money off of the people. Right, they don't create anything. They, they're not creating money. They're using money. So this, this abolition of property and taking everything over, that's not sustainable. They're not trying to sustain anything. They're trying to destroy it. And this does not power. create a sustainable society that produces and consumes and has supply and demand. No, it destroys all of that. So that should tell you that their point is not to you know, create something that will last for generations and is prosperous. It's, it's to destroy it, to take it out. Well, you know, we're going to go to break. But first of all, all of you listening out there that have been concerned about millennials, Cassie George is a millennial. And so I think that you can take great heart. You can put a smile on your face and realize that uh, there are are millennials out there that that have not been totally corrupted by the activists, progressives that have taken over the education system. And there's a lot of great teachers out there, Cassie. Mm-hmm. I know you were homeschooled. And I do think that that is something that, uh, given this, this sex ed bill, oh, I forgot to mention that. Today is the big rally mm-hmm. down at the yeah, Capitol. I'm going to be down there at noon uh, for the, the rally. Some of us are going to try to go. Yeah. It's again, and I thought about it. You know, what is this exactly? What are we rallying for? Mm-hmm. We are rallying for our kids to get to be kids. We are rallying for the freedom of families to be able to be in charge of uh, talking to their children about their sexual health, their relationships. We are rallying against government coming in and forcing and mandating a curriculum. And so I'll be down there at noon at the Capitol uh, and we'll be rallying against House Bill 19-1032. But all of you out there, I, I run into so many millennials. You hear many of them on, on the show. And I, I feel very positive about where we are and where we're headed. The veil is off on what has been happening in America. We know what the, who the enemy is. We know what the battle is. And so everybody has to do something every day to make sure that you, um, you know, are in, in the fight on this. And that may be just sending an email. Actually, or today, that would be great. Sending an email to Senator Don Corum. A Republican from Montrose, who is one of the sponsors of 1032, send an email to Nancy, Senator Nancy Todd, another one of the sponsors, and send, and send an email to Representative Lantine and tell them to pull the bill. 
We're going to be right back. I'm talking with Cassie George. Um, she is the a co-host and the producer of Rush to Reason. You hear that in the afternoon right here on KLC 560. And uh, we'll be right back. Award-winning realtor Karen Levine has 30 years of experience with REMAX Alliance. Karen Levine believes in home ownership. As a Colorado representative to the National Board of Realtors, Karen Levine works to protect private property rights. Since losing her mother to breast cancer, Karen Levine has helped organize a local fundraising event called Karen's for the Cure, raising money for breast cancer research. Karen Levine comes highly recommended by the Americhicks with Kim Munson. Choose Karen Levine to buy or sell your home because she understands that it's more than just a house. Call award-winning realtor Karen Levine with REMAX Alliance today at 303-877-7516. Hey, welcome back to the Americhicks with Kim Munson, where we dissect issues as right versus wrong instead of right versus left, agree or disagree. Let's have a conversation. Be sure and check out my website, my new website. It is gorgeous. Americhicks.com. Uh, Sign up for my emails. I am the Americhicks on Facebook and Twitter as well. I'd appreciate it if you would like me and follow. We all like to be liked, you know, mm-hmm. so I'd appreciate it if you'd like me. Uh, Cassie George is in studio with me. I, I like to call you a marvelous millennial. Mm-hmm. Is that okay with you? Yeah, I was getting a little bit of uh, grief on the show for being this marvelous millennial. The so. guys weren't doing that, were they? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they've... Uh, as Steve pointed out before the show, they've been making some comments on air about, you know, me being on the show. So well, they'll get over it. Well, you know what? I think one of these days, let's get them on the show, too. I think, yeah, that I would think be they a- would like to be Americhicks. Then they could feel included. I mean, they, they need a safe zone. We're they need a inclu- space to we'll be inclusive. you know, inclusivity. And, okay, we'll you do know, that. So. And, and, I, mean, I mean, obviously, the name Americhicks, I mean. Yeah. Well, they could be the Ameridudes. So we'll, yeah, we'll get... they'll be the Ameridudes. Yeah, yeah. So we'll... politically correct. Well, well, most definitely. So yeah. one point you we you mentioned Darwin, Charles Darwin, mm-hmm. when he published his book was 1859, and then the Communist Manifesto was right after that. It looks like it started in 1872. So, mm-hmm. and it was the these German philosophers mm-hmm. that started to affect this, and it's been going on for a hundred years. And uh, it's been just very, very incremental. I think that we are at the point now where we see what is what the results are, and we've got to stand and, and fight on this thing. Mm-hmm. But during break, we were talking about the a whole bunch of different things that are in the con- communist manifesto. But I think you want you know what's what's what are you th- concerned about in it? Well, to go back to what you just said that you know these were German philosophers and scientists who you know kind of passed down the who wrote, you know, Frederick Engels and all that, which his dad was a business owner, so I don't know quite how the whole communist thing came about in his family. But, um, you know, how, what did Germany produce? Well, World War II. Um, World War I, World War II. World War I, World War II, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the Holocaust. And, you know, maybe, a, a, I mean, you look at Hitler, and, you know, okay, that's what that country kind of produced through, believing through their you know this was their those philosophers and scientists and you know this is That's what they come up with point. so like is there a reason you know and i would say like, maybe there's a reason that hasn't quite happened in america yet and probably because you know we have we were founded on different principles because we are not truly a democracy and we're a constitutional republic and we have different rights and um so anyway just a side thought i was just thinking about that maybe they're you know connected somehow that you know, the people who were behind so the Holocaust and everything were, you know, a product of those schools and those, you know, schools of thought and all of that. Interesting. Okay, so those old white guys, we've established... Those old white guys. Those, the Karl Marx and Friedrich Engels... Well, it's just the right old white guys that are bad. 
it's just the, it's just but the, the fact that joe biden and you know all these other men that are out there that are you know trying to run for president i don't think joe's announced it yet but he's saying he's and going bernie. to and bernie and yeah. you know all of them and you know they don't count yeah but it's really it's really the policies and you've hit on something really important so this was in the 1800s mm-hmm. and you have darwinism you know that's mm-hmm. coming out you're you're having uh, uh the communist manifesto and we're really in a battle of ideas And the effects of the ideas that the communists and socialists have done, you look at Stalin, you look at Mao in China, uh, you look at Hitler, uh, Pol Pot in Mm -hmm. Cambodia. People, millions of people died because of those particular policies. And then you look at the, the ideas of the old white guys of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson and, uh, Alexander Hamilton and James Madison And, you know, one of the things that they talk about is they had slaves. Mm -hmm. But, Cassie, slavery was prevalent throughout the world. Yeah, we've talked about that on the show, how slavery back then, and a lot of people were, you know, great slave owners. Some people were bad slave owners, but, but it was a cultural thing. I mean, it was everywhere. Everyone had slaves. Everybody had servants. It wasn't like they were choosing Right. And, and so it's different. It, it was foist upon the, the colonists. I mean, it was mm-hmm. it it was foist upon them. And and as they were looking at the Declaration of Independence, this really came out of the Federalist as out of, you know, mm-hmm. Veritas the other night. But a, as they were looking at this idea, this vision of the Declaration, that if all men are created equal mm-hmm. uh, with these rights from God of life, liberty and pursuit of happiness then that means everybody. And so the colonists were starting to, to uh, struggle with that. What, what did that mean exactly? And so you probably know in the Constitution, uh, they actually put something in the Constitution that said that there would be no new importation of slaves mm-hmm. um, by, I think it was like 20 years after the uh, Constitution mm-hmm. was, was uh, written. And so it's amazing that these guys, they were... They were struggling with this idea of all men, and, and they mean women, but all men, all humans created equal with these rights of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. And they're like, what could happen if we had a government of the people, by the people, for the people? Mm-hmm. Well, look what happened. Look what happened. Regular people, mm-hmm. you know, are, are living thriving and prosperous lives. Black unemployment is at the lowest ever. Hispanic unemployment is at the lowest mm-hmm. ever. Women's unemployment is at the lowest ever. That set of ideas has given us this. The set of ideas in the Communist Manifesto it's brought death. has given us Venezuela. Yeah. And, and to your point, before I was born, um, you know, Venezuela was a prosperous country. And I think people forget that, that they don't really, you know, everyone thinks, oh, it would be different here. No, it wouldn't. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't be any different. You know, it took maybe 40 years or so. That's usually the lifespan of a communist nation before it begins to fall. It, and, and it's gone. Well, and I know firsthand, uh, another thing, I was in a song and dance group mm-hmm. a long time ago. <laughs> it was up with people, and it was actually created kind of to push back on, on all of the, the stuff that was happening on the campuses in the 60s. And, uh, and, and so to talk about, you know, all mankind and, you know, kind of love and joy and things yeah. like that. So anyway, uh, and one of my, and they, they had kids from all over the world. And a good friend of mine was Nelson Gonzalez, and he was from Caracas, Venezuela. And he would show me pictures of back home. And Venezuela was thriving and prospering, and, and it was vibrant. Mm-hmm. And it breaks my heart 
to see people in line now. It looks like... Uh, and they're burning food and blocking roads. And, and the other one is Cuba, where people go, oh, Cuba's so cute. And like, oh, it's like stepping back in time. That's not a good thing. It's not a good like, thing. I think Dan Mira on uh, Rush Reason the other day said, uh, you know, what did the, sociali- what did the socialists use before um, candles? What? Electricity. <laughs> oh, oh that's a good one but, but it's I, true i mean it takes us backwards and people are like oh communism and socialism is different no it's not i mean they're pretty much the same thing there really aren't any you know socialism gets you to communism yeah yeah i mean there, there's an i remember being in economics at you know at colorado christian university which is where i did my undergrad and um you know we had this kind of economic scale and where you had you know, kind of independent in the middle, and then you had a Republican, and then conservative, and then um, and then on the other side you had you know Democrat and liberal, and then you had socialists, and then you had communists. Mm-hmm. So this way of thinking, this liberal left way of thinking, and we're seeing this. You know, we were kind of talking about the uh, the sex ed bill. You know, where that I mean that falls right in line with what yes. Karl Marx would love. We take control of the schools. We take control of who you think you are. And we tell you that we know best. Well, and the other thing on that, Cassie, is instead of teaching, you know, the the classical liberal education, which I think you Mm -hmm. probably had, to think about high ideals, to, Mm -hmm. to think about excellence, to push big ideas, to to, to be the best that we can Mm -hmm. be. The sex ed bill, instead of of kids, because learning about that they're going to be learning about hedonistic things about you know physical things that might and i don't want to say physical pleasure but that you know that's so they're focusing on the physical stuff yeah instead of focusing on the big ideas that i think really uh help people live um you know lives of meaning well to help them you know, develop as a person like i remember having to sit and do a I did a book when I was like 12 on critical thinking where I had to sit there and go, okay, what does this mean? You know, check the boxes. And, uh-huh. and at the time I thought it was so stupid, but now I look at it and I go, wow, like that was actually like, that's something I still think about is the fact that we're, you know, we're not teaching kids you know, how to think. We're teaching them what to think. We're saying, you know, here's what you're going to think on this. You know, you're going to think about, you know, all these, you know, different sexual things. And you're going to think about all this LGBTQ stuff. And you have to decide, you know, which gender you want to be when you're, you know, 10. And it's like, wait, you are a gender. You know, it's nature's law. But but instead of teaching, you know, like you said, higher ideals, instead of teaching, you know, here's how to think about your life going forward. Well, that's for sure. Cassie George. We're going to have to do this again. Does that sound okay? <laughs> okay. This has gone way too quickly. But it's great to have you here. Any final thought? Thank you. No, it's great to be here, and I look forward to it again. Okay. So. Well, that sounds great. So we're going to continue to go through the Communist Manifesto. Uh, we were actually going through, they have uh, 11 things. I'm just going to throw this out. Mm-hmm. One other thing before we go to break. Uh, number 10 that they recommend is a free education for all children in public schools. Mm-hmm. And then we have to ask why Governor Polis wants to make uh, um, kindergarten. kindergarten. So we just have to ask that question. Free is not free. Yeah. Always have to throw that out. That's for sure. <laughs> that's Anyone for who's sure. a parent knows, knows that free is not free. <laughs> that's right. And freedom isn't free. Yeah. We have to stand for it every day. So our quote for today is George Washington. He said, truth will ultimately prevail where there are pains taken to bring it to light. So today, read great books, think good thoughts, listen to beautiful music, communicate and listen well, live honestly and authentically, strive for high ideals, and like Superman, stand for truth, 
justice, and the American way. Cassie George, thank you so much for being in studio. Thank you. It's great having you here. This is Kim Munson with the AmeriChicks signing off. God bless you, and God bless America. On a rough road riding high Through the mountains climbing Twisting, turning further from my home Young, like a new moon rising Fierce, through the rain and lightning Wandering out into this great unknown And I